So what are some thoughts that you have on what defines family? What makes family a home? Or what makes family family? Be it blood relation or friends that become your family? I think for me, family throws up loads of questions and loads of tensions. Um, I was not quite separated, but separated in a way from one of my brothers for a period of about 15 years. And you know that way with friends when you don't see them for ages, really good friends. And when you meet them again, it doesn't matter whether it's a year or a week, you just straight into conversation. There's no picking up speed, it's just there. And um, that was what it was like with my brother. You know, I hadn't seen him for a long, long time. There'd been issues in our family that meant there were things to sort out and, and you know, things to understand between us and a lot of time to make up. But that's exactly what it was like. You know, I remember picking him up from the station in Glasgow at a lunchtime and, you know, within 15, 20 minutes, it felt like there'd not been a 15 year gap. And so for me, that's one of the strong elements of, of close family or the, the upbringing that you share with somebody builds in that shortcut to closeness that I'm not sure you can absolutely replicate with friendships, but that good friendships you know, move towards. So that's the, the positive part of it for me, but the tensions that it throws up are, you know, am I always a little boy to my father, who's now in his 70s, who's not gonna change how he thinks about being a man and demands that I act in a way that fits in with his life and his world view you know, am I me with him? And if him and my wife are in the same room and I have to be two different people, how does that tension work? What's that leave me with afterwards? Who do I disappoint? Because it's, it's that strong, you know, if I'm the two different me's in the wrong place, then somebody gets disappointed. Um, and if I don't pull it off, quite often it's me that's disappointed. Um, so there's all sorts going on and, you know, living up to expectations that I thought I'd left as a teenager, you know, when I rebelled as a teenager and did stuff that I was told specifically not to, you think that's rebellion. Um, but then, you know, here I am 30 years later, still thinking, shall I do what they want? Shall I do what I want? So even having those questions left Throughout life, family's weird. <laughs> Definitely weird. <laughs> I think uh, family's a thing which, if we didn't make a choice, yeah. it was just there, it was given to us, we were just kind of born into it, obviously. Uh, and what may come, you know, end of the day, for us, uh, as growing up as Pakistanis in our culture, Family is a, a key thing and within family there are certain values that you have to hold. So parents, they're your elders, you have to respect them. And parents expect certain um, behaviour and manners from you without question. 
and if you question them oh you're in trouble um, so normally like if you were to have a conversation with the, the your kids and you explain to them this is why I don't want you to do this or this not not in our culture you don't do it why I just said you don't and that was it that was the end of it and you just accepted it because that's the, your parents and you've been taught to give that respect to them um, but as you get older they realize that hold that they've got you know you're not a kid anymore it's kind of slipping away from them and you're starting to make your own decisions and yeah some of your decisions are messed up I look back at them and a lot of my decisions <laughs> at that time when I was changing were messed up but I think if I was given a, a better explanation I probably would have dealt with it so maybe I wouldn't but more chance I would have had to make a better decision based on that um, but regardless what I found is um, no matter how bad things get or how good things get the family's always there at the end for me anyway that's my own personal experience they're always there at the end so it's pretty vital to me uh, uh, family and yeah there have been times when I've had proper fallouts I've had a proper fallout with my, my dad as well uh, uh, I don't have a mum and dad anymore they both passed away but um, yeah my, my dad uh, we had a serious fallout but at the same time my dad respected me more than the other siblings because I think later on he realised well he was thinking enough to challenge me and he was proud of the fact that I could stand almost that I could stand up for myself um, and he wasn't expecting that being a youngest as well sort of thing but I seen something that, that I thought wasn't fair that I thought wasn't right and I stood up against that but regardless of everything that happens all the experiences you, happen, uh, you, you get you can't detach from who your parents are you can't detach from who, who your, your brother your sister you know are it's just and then now extended to that my wife and my children um, it, to me yeah it's uh, it's vital but I learned from my upbringing and uh, being part of a family me growing up and how I then apply the things that I thought that were good values to my family and things where I thought with time the changes of time and now I'm detached from being brought up specifically in that culture of the Pakistan because remember that was first generation my parents coming over here I'm second year I'm born bred here so I'll bring another concept of values to my family um, yeah that's my perception of it do you find yourself doing things that your dad did absolutely <laughs> I, d I do I do find that uh, would I say both my mum and my dad probably element of both but certainly my dad yeah me too definitely stop myself every other day yeah. you sound exactly like him <laughs> <laughs> I was born and brought up here so it's like growing up there's a I've got a different take to things now mum and dad have but what was me was because I was the baby as well and there's a big 
there was a big age gap between all of us. I felt my farm and my dad was more mellowed out by two miles growing up. So I know he was a bit more harsher with my, my big brother and sister, but for me he was a bit more sort of, don't say no, I wouldn't get a reason, but I felt a bit more than anyone else did, you know. Mellowed out more. I mellowed out by that time. Actually, but I think the difference was I didn't get a reason, but I got um, less no's. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. So I think that was the difference. Um, and then growing up as well. Um, but I think, like you, I think, like you both said there, it makes so much sense as well. I think my mum said, to, said to me, "You like your dad sometimes, mm-hmm. like that." And someone, someone said, "But you like your mum, but you said certain things." So it's blood in the day's family. You don't get to choose them, like you're saying. But it is what it is. It's just the hand you being dealt. So, and it doesn't matter what things happen. You like say after 15 years, you still come back. You know, there's always that, there's always that bond you always have, which you won't have with a friend. The only memories of you and you're young together, yeah. mum and dad. So that's the thing. So I think it comes back that way. I've moved away from my mum and dad for many years as well. Went for uni and it came back again, and yeah, it's. Family, family. <laughs> I'll keep to that. So I have a friend, uh, she has four children, all mostly grown up and left home. And one of them especially uh, has got a, girl, a, a new girlfriend and he refers to her family as his family. And she's almost out of the picture now. And it's just a case of, I can't begin to imagine how much that stings and how much that's nasty. And she says, to me, I'd like to just ignore them. I'd like to get rid of them, but I can't because they're my flesh and blood. So they're unfortunately that you know what can you do? But also, this isn't there that quote about the you know the, you know the, the I don't know things from Romeo and Juliet something like that about the uh, uh, child's uh, you know, rejection by a child being sharper than a serpent's tooth or something like that. It's a completely garbled quote there, but it must you know that's that's one of the downsides of it as well. So I think when it goes well. It goes well, but my God, that can hurt. I, I suspect harder than anything. Uh, similar to your experiences of being very strict, you know, for a different reason, or maybe the same reason. My my parents very very religious, you know, strictly religious, with very strong faith that determined their day to day way of living and all their actions. So we were brought up in that environment of this is why you do things. And you didn't always get a reason the same. Um, so my rejection of that faith or that religion, you know, going through my teenage years, which I kind of covered it up, but then I couldn't stop it coming out in my early twenties. You know, I, I I don't believe in God, so, and I never did, and you can't really fit into that faith, very strong faith environment, driven environment, without that in common so you know the disappointment my parents feel and my, and my grandparents who I was very close to was massive it would, and it and I totally got that it must be devastating for them but what are you meant to do you know you, you are not your parents you, you've got to be an individual and there'll be different reasons for causing that pain and, you know I'm kind of at peace with mine in myself, but I know, you know, my father at the moment doesn't want to talk to me because of this, and it's 30 years on since that decision. I'm not going to change my mind. He's not going to change his mind. 
um, but he doesn't want me to, to interact with him because of it, um, which is very sad. Um, but, you know, this again comes back to these tensions within families that if your father does something out of turn, are you supposed to shut up and take it or do you challenge because you don't think it's right? And, you know, it's, it's a different situation, but the same outcome, I think, that I always felt that they brought me up in a way that allowed me to be myself and to stand up for what I thought was right because that's what they did. They modelled it and it's caused us to be like this now. But a bit of me thinks they must... There must be something in there that says, you know, we've raised this boy to be somebody who stands his ground. Maybe they don't, maybe they just don't like the fact I don't agree with them. But um, but yeah, I mean, and, but what that's meant in terms of family for me with my children is that I've been very, and maybe gone the other way, but been very open about what they want to believe about their worldview, you know, how not, I would definitely not want to force on my children a particular way of being that is the, the, the right way and the only way, which I think, you know, your experience sounds like that's what you got. I don't know so much about you, Stephen, but um, my parents had one way of doing things and that was it. And you didn't get to do otherwise until you were out of the house. Um, and it has an impact. So just to fill in the gap there, um, my family background was stable, supportive, um, horribly normal, <laughs> uh, and I'm grateful for that. Um, the you know the, we were church going every now and again, but you know it was Church of England, so <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing that was particularly extreme or, or dogmatic. And uh, um, yeah, that wasn't really that's those those tension points. But I mean, don't get me wrong, my, my parents are lovely people. My, my mother is a loving woman who loves kids, loves providing. She was always there. She's always there to go back to, you know, in this strange way that we have. But she is always there. My upbringing was safe. It was comfortable. My dad worked very, very hard to provide for us all. So there was, there was never any... It never crossed a line into, a, you know oppressiveness if you like other than of thought <laughs> but um but yeah how you step out and be your own person i think it's really important and it's important for men and it's important for women equally but the pressures i think um because for me talking to different men over the years the, the there is that stereotypical pressure to perform to look after yourself, to always cope, to always deal with things, to be the provider. It's there, whether we like it or not. It's in society, it pervades us. Uh, because of that pressure, I think young boys and young men, as they turn into adults, feel that in a particular way. And whether we get to the bottom of that or we don't, I think hinges on what you were saying about being open and giving reasons for why you want to do things or why you want them to act in a certain way and helping people learn rather than react. So what are some pressures or challenging experiences that you've all experienced that have impacted you as a man? 
when my dad left, he went way back to Pakistan. He thought he'll um, make a life there, he'll start up a business, and we'll all move back to Pakistan. Very unrealistic idea, but he thought um, because his origins were from Pakistan, that financially he had now done what he had achieved, and now he should return back home again and establish a good living standard of living for us and go back his friends uh, from Pakistan that were here at the same time as him that have been living here had basically came up to him and said this is ridiculous this idea you have is ridiculous your kids are born and bred here they know nothing about the culture in Pakistan you're going to uproot them and put them in a foreign land it's foreign to them it might be your home but it's foreign to them but it's also foreign to him because he'd been away for such a long time as well. Him going back, he, although he was born there, he was there for quite a number of years, but being absent for that period of time, things have changed and he had adapted to, his mindset had adapted to here. And going back, it was almost reversing that. It was difficult. And a lot of people in his generation that had visit, went back to visit realised, hold on, Although we are from here, this is very difficult for us, for us to adapt. Now that we understand another social uh, structure uh, and, and, you know, in those countries, rules and regulations are very relaxed and non-existent and bendable and whatever else. Uh, whereas here, it, you know, it's by the letter of the law and it works, it's, it's good, you know. Um, so I think um, the challenge for us was when my dad went back and he was setting this house up and setting a small business up and things weren't going too well for him and we were over here, we were still quite young, he would then almost blame us for not supporting him but we didn't know another wiser. One, it wasn't our decision, it was him who made the decision and then Secondly, because things weren't going the way he had visualised it, he then thought, well, my family's not supporting me. And it's that thing again about family and being there for one another, but not realising that we're still kids, I'm still at school, you know, my mum's doing what she can to look after us as a single mum here. Um, and it got quite messy like that. And really it was more him dealing with his own kind of failure that maybe this was a bad idea, but he can't admit to it. He's the one who made the decision. He's a father figure, he's the head of the family. And for him, you know, to say that this didn't work and come back, it was almost like something that he'd be shameful about. So um, that was what I was saying earlier on, the things that I had to deal with in terms of confronting my dad and saying to him, look, you know, come back. This is our home, this is where we live. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done, but he wasn't willing to accept that because of the amount he's committed into this idea. Financially, he's committed into this as well. And he had too much to lose, basically. But at the same time, the idea of leaving our home, Glasgow, and to go somewhere else was just, just something that we weren't going to accept. So, yeah, that was very challenging. Um, and even when he did come back, 
eventually he kind of moved moved out we had like arguments all the time about and it was that thing he just wouldn't let it go you know it was cause of use that I didn't get where I got to. and if use backed me up and you'd hear it all the time like a broken record and it just got to a point where you know it, it, we just couldn't live together with this but um, as my dad got a lot older and he's alone he realised my god I had a family I had kids what the hell have I done and how did I get to this point and I think that realisation himself reflecting on that that it was nothing no part in our side that caused this he, then he just kind of mellowed out and he thought you know what whatever happened happened I just need my family around me now but it was a hard pill to swallow for him because it was ultimately his decision and we as kids and we would never question what in fact my mum would never question she wouldn't sit there they wouldn't have like a dialogue and discuss what's good for the family he said it and that was the word and that was the end of it so that was pretty challenging but we did come out of it at the end but it took a very very long time and a large portion of our kind of growing up and our our life to deal with certainly in terms of you being your own person off the back of that yeah. behaviour. Yeah. Um, how do you think that shaped how you want to be, you know, with your family or... or it, but it does, I mean, certainly, um, I think my mum done a good job being mum and dad. Um, so I didn't really feel um, that I was losing out in, you know, the, the father figure type thing. Um, my mum was a gentle soul, but she always wanted good for everyone. She just had this kind of, um, you know, um, just to be fair with everyone, and, you know, have the right morals, have the right values with people. And um, that came from her, her faith. As, as a Muslim woman and she was devout Muslim um, but she because she was going through much so much um, turmoil in her life and she had to deal with so many difficulty she turned back to her faith and she held on to her faith to give her the answers and she held on to that aspect of it to see her through difficult times and that got threaded through to us as well and it was it was always good values you know, you know, uh, things of, you know, you just had to have the right morals and, and deal with the situations the best you can. Um, and I think that, certainly my dad, I mean, the problem with, with my dad was there was a whole period of time he wasn't there. So as we were growing up, by the time he got back, we didn't really know him and he didn't recognise us. We all knew him from the 10 year old who had the dad and before that but that whole period from like 10 to about 18 I didn't know him and he didn't know me and that absence was getting to know each other again basically it was um, it was a bit of a task yeah. I bet you could talk to somebody in their 80s who has lived through something else like that because yeah. I'm thinking my father's father was absent 
during the Second World War. Yeah. Six yeah. years away. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this this person has grown from being four years old to you know yeah. ten years old or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. They're missing a big chapter in someone's yeah. life. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And that was expected, wasn't it? You know, that nobody would have questioned that. Whereas I think these days perhaps there is a shift in parenting and men would say some men would say you know, I don't want to have that gap. Um, although there's still plenty of men, I think, who would happily abdicate their responsibility yes. for uh, looking after the wee hooligans. Um, so, but it, but it does bring me back to one thing that you were saying there, was that your, your mum did a good job of being mum and dad. And for me, that I think that's really important in a lot of families, that there isn't a feeling of, for, for a lot of men, there isn't a feeling of, I miss my dad or I've missed out on having a dad. Yeah. There's a positive influence of experience of women that are strong yet caring and gentle that makes you possibly more open yeah. to not being an idiot yeah. as a man when you're older in your attitudes to women. Because yeah. you've, you've seen that, yeah. that things can be held and that women's experience is not easy and it's not just about you know the, the 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 trivial and the flippant that guys in a bar will talk about yeah. but you see what's behind that i don't yeah. i don't know where i'm going with that but yeah. maybe that experience changes attitudes for young men coming through um and the openness to that changes those attitudes i mean as this man was saying you know he he's grown up with his sisters and his mum and all that and that would have had a effect on him and I think as well, like you're both saying as well, the, the mother played the kind of father figure as well. Yeah. And then also, like we were discussing as well, how we find easy to talk to women and men, all kind of stems from that side. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people, especially came up from abroad, mm. that was the rule. Yeah. A lot of the father was either working crazy hours, yeah. or it was the kind of attitude like, I'm going to do my thing, you do your sort of thing. Yeah. So the mums were looking after the kids, yeah. feeding the kids, yeah. and being a father at the same yeah. time. And especially yeah. in the first generation, now yeah. it's always it's kind of it's changed now. Yeah. So a lot of people have kind of you, you feel um, going through that. Yeah. You know, it's been tough. I mean, certainly I, I I'm more hands on with my kids. Um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, with my older one as well. Um, let's go to cinemas. Let's go bowling. Let's do this and let's do whatever else there is to do. You know and um, now that we DJ and stuff like that, I take the older one with me and she DJs with us as well, kind of family business, but like we can engage in that way as well. And um, yeah, she, and the older one, she, they both have a banter with me to be honest, and they can get away with saying things that I would never say to my parents. You know, and it, I take it as a humour, it is banter, it's not them being disrespectful. Um, and we have a good laugh. And it's brilliant, you know, to have that feeling. I like to add to what you're saying as well. I, I go to the Ags, my pal, I see him quite regularly as well. When I go and see him, it's always the whole family sitting together, every time. From the front of the telly or whatever it is, the whole family's there together. Everyone might be doing the whole thing, but you're all together. Mm. I've noticed that every time I go there, yeah. you know. And that is different, I mean, in, in 
my experience growing up in the 70s as a kid was that you know now I think about it listening to you talk about these things my dad did do his own thing he was about yeah, yeah. he worked he, he worked long hours but not crazy long hours he was you know he was usually back for tea time yeah. um, but he definitely had his own set of things that he was going to do yeah. and mum had her set of things that she was going to do and, and I never really had any big pressure points other than you know as I've mentioned the stuff around faith issues but a tiny incident made me think about men's roles and women's roles from early on and I've never ever forgotten it and my, my dad every night at nine o'clock would say oh is it supper time love yeah. and mum would rush off and get his supper which yeah. was digestive biscuits and cheese and a drink <laughs> and I watched this you know from being tiny and I think when I was 12 or 13 I rushed into the kitchen after my mum and said why do you always do this for him just tell him to do his own supper <laughs> and she said to me well I, I like doing it for him yeah, I yeah. like providing for him and looking after him and, um, and I was like well I know but he just expects it all the time and you just have to run and do it and um, and that for me was quite a tipping point in terms of you know I, I determined at that point that I was never going to expect people to run after me like that and that if I you know if I had a, a, a wife I wouldn't make her do these things and, and that and that formative sort of age you yeah. you're a bit over the top I know but it has stuck with me and it's yeah. and it's always been something that I have tried to live by that you know nobody runs after me by expectation but he was never going to change like that and a lot of his uh, his contemporaries were the same and um, and it's exactly like you say Usman that the man had his own things that he would do and the woman did the rest of the stuff and it it's just tradition isn't it yeah um, yeah I think it's good that um, I've learnt a lot certainly from sitting here uh, today um, and chatting with other men about you know all sorts of things it's um, enjoying I, I enjoy the fact that there's there is a lot of things that are very similar with, with all of us although we come from different backgrounds and different periods of time but there is so much similarity um, which is great, it's very refreshing um, and it, and as I say before I, I, I came here I was very anxious should I do it, should I not do it, Ugh, it's not me but I'm glad that I did come and I, I hope, as a few of us here, I hope that number increases I hope we get to sit down and more people can engage with it and now like We've got social media, all sorts of platforms that people, it's easy for people just to get a taster on, just go on and have a wee listen and see what, what they think and they might think, I, I know his background better than his background, I relate to that and that's what it's all about, you know, it's um, just getting down there and having these kind of discussions, you know, there's a lot, to, a lot of positives to come out of these conversations. I, I guess the advice I would give is that family life is hard <laughs> don't expect it to be otherwise uh, whether that's troublesome parents aging parents troublesome children yourself that kind of thing it's it's hard and it's 
it's, you don't get the option too much of escaping from it. So you need to put in effort to make it work. Um, and that's sometimes not pleasant, but the rewards are there when they come. I think my, my words on family, to misquote the author, Kurt Vonnegut, which, who said that we're here to help each other get through this thing, whatever it is. I think that's what he said. Um, it's like you, Stephen, to say, you know, reaching out to family or to friends can sometimes feel too difficult to do because the, the closeness and the friction that there's sometimes built up seems too much to get across. But it's worth it because they're people that we have and support that we have usually. And even if there's problems and if people have fallen out, you can you can make it work. And if you can't make it work, then as the Eckert said before, at least you can be happy that you tried and you, you, you know, you stuck your neck out. Um, and the positives to gain from it outweigh the negatives, definitely. So what's your first memory or experience with a friendship or a relationship? And how did you enter it? I think for myself, would be like primary school. We had a group of friends. We used to play football together. We used to play the computers together. And this is pre-phone area, so we used to phone each other up. Um, or you have a spot to meet or somewhere. Um, but a lot of stuff in common. Um, we all live in the same neighbourhood. So we always, so because we live quite close to each other, we spent the most time together. Well, other friends live a bit far away. We didn't see each other much often. Only at school. But generally, these are the friends we friends I just play with, talk to, um, and we grew up and then eventually we all kind of parted ways, we went to different schools or further education was different and then there was again a different set of friends. This time it wasn't about them being far away or not because I'm older I can travel more and drive a car now as well. Um, yeah, so again it'll be interests or work friends, working with people, Friendship for me was um, the the people in my community in my neighbourhood, um, and it was related to what they got up to. So it'd be football. We're meeting up at the bowling green. Um, they're all going for a kickabout. Let's go. And at the start, I wasn't great at football, um, but I would just go because the group was, would go. And I wanted to be with the group. Um, and, you know, you were accepted. You weren't ex accepted because you were, you were a good player. If you weren't a good player, you weren't going to be part of the group. And that's what was kind of appealing because it wasn't based on your ability. It was just based on the fact that you were recognised as being one of the guys from the neighbourhood. And that was great. Because if it was based on my ability, I'd be a loner probably. <laughs> so, looking back at it and reflecting on that aspect of, and it was just your neighbourhood friends, and um, and then other than that, then um, just hanging about in the streets. It wasn't necessarily 
um, you know, a particular thing you're doing with sports or whatever. It was going, just what you're doing, and I'm going to the shops, you want to come with me? Yeah, okay, we're going to go get some sweets. So, uh, yeah, come on. So he'll have more money, he'll buy some sweets. I might not have any money, and we'll share, you know, half a penny sweet, and he'll have half, I'll have half. It was silly wee things like that. It was very innocent, it was very, you know, organic, I would say, but you didn't think of it in any way. You just fell into, yeah, this is this is great. And um, so that developed a kind of circle of friends that were all in that kind of related in that same particular way. Um, and within your neighbourhood, you knew the other people that didn't perhaps have the same interest and didn't perhaps kind of engage in the, the same way as you did. So they were that group, um, and um, yeah, so that was childhood, and as you grow older, and you leave perhaps junior school, and then you go into senior school, dynamics change quite a lot, and it's not just because it's, it's a different school and there's a lot more new faces and stuff, but also as a as a person, your development changes and your thinking changes. You're not a kid anymore, and you start having to adopt a almost uh, not adulthood, but like you know, and it, you, you kind of realise that um, you're not a kid anymore. And um, then interests change, um, and. I think that's when you start experimenting as well with, oh they're doing that, it looks like fun, what is it all about? And then you try to go that way and then so if it works then you've got a new set of friends because there's a new set of interests. So the, the interest kind of develops that movement towards a relationship and friendship in a different way. Um, and for me it's, it's been that kind of thing as I've been grown up I think um, but really for me it was just never been harsh with people uh, and if people had weaknesses or vulnerable in any way I never took advantage of it and I would probably be more supportive towards them about it and I think I recognised that very early age because I myself didn't feel very confident, so I needed a space where I was comfortable in. And so, if someone um, wasn't that confident, you know, the popular guy, I would think that's cool. I feel comfortable with this. I can relate with him. You know, we've got something in common. But if it was a popular guy and all the girls liked the guy or whatever, I wasn't me. I wasn't comfortable with that. And I couldn't be that at that point, you know, it was just, it wasn't, it was. So I think that's how, for me, relationships and friendships developed for me. We discussed about how we've all grown up in different areas and I'd given you this impression that I grew up in somewhere idyllic and leafy and all that kind yeah. of thing. But the lived experience is again, exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so my, prim my primary school was where I had first exposure to more people than just outside. My, my friendship group, that was a group of, so there's about, I'm going to guess, my memory's probably wrong here, about 30 of us, boys and girls, 
that started off at five and travelled together until we were 11. And we all knew each other and that kind of thing. And there wasn't the point you made about there's not really sort of favourites or that kind of mm. thing. You did have a best friend, mm -hmm. but actually y you were all there for each other. Mm. Um, it's interesting, I think, for me also looking back on it, how um, at that stage, at primary stage, um, and basically pre-puberty, it was acceptable for men and girls, sorry, boys and girls um, to, play. To, to, to play together, yeah. absolutely. Um, there'd still be some, you know, the, the older you got, the more that became a bit odd. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, you still, actually, there was segregation in there. So boys mm -hmm. play football, mm -hmm. girls would do skipping or something mm -hmm. hideously stereotypical like, like that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you could get sort of gangs, mixed gangs going mm -hmm. together. But the more it goes on, the more that's, you know, that's, yeah. that's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. But uh, otherwise, it's, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. Same kind of thing as I think both of you experienced, yeah. you know, where you've got that group. Yeah. So who's the common friend or group of friends that you've, um, that you've decided to keep on and why? Uh, from my youth, I don't think I have any. But seeing that, I can recall the, the friends that, that I considered really close friends at school, I can recall their names, I can visualise them right now, <laughs> I can, I can if, if, if I seen them in the street, high fi hug, you know, how you doing, and as if we were back there again. Nostalgia. That nostalgia, uh, but the bonds were quite strong that we had kind of uh, made at that time, that even now, although we're probably in completely different circles, completely different interests, one thing somehow is very, very strange, but it's still kind of strong and established, is that recognition that we were good, good, we were really tight, you know, we were tight. And that goes beyond everything else. Uh, we could still kind of relate one another, you know, and uh, look back at, at, at good times and reflect on that sort of thing. Seeing that, there, there are some people also which, um, now thinking about it, that um, I thought were good friends, but I perhaps was a bit naive and didn't realise that they had other agendas of, of that friendship. And I was purely taking it on basis of the kindness that he was showing and me giving that affection, affection back. But they were doing it for a means of something else. It was almost like they were controlling me as a friend, like who I should hang about with. And at that time, I didn't think anything of it. But things that have happened um, has made me realise, oh, you're a nasty person. <laughs> and how did I actually miss that? Yeah. Uh, that was, wow. It's a good thing. It's definitely a good thing because it makes me the more wiser. You know, like it opens my eyes more, it makes me conscious about really exploring what is a good friend. I'll, I'll, I'll question that, what is a good friend. But it's easy for me now to, to now go forward with that and forge friendship and categorise what type of friendship that is. It's all pals from school. I may not have spoken for 10 years, 15 years, but they're all texting in there. And when you meet each other up, 
that nostalgia effect. Remember yeah. when we were like five years old playing and you hit that garden, you hit that, you know, like yeah. you smash that window, it's like, oh, my, all those memories. But like, like I was saying, we might not have much in common now, completely different lifestyles and everything, I mean, but there's still that feeling there, like, well, remember that, remember this, remember that teacher? Oh, she did that to me, she said that to me, kind of thing. And then when you get older, because I was all innocent at that time, like, like I was saying as well, when, when you get older, I noticed when high school and beyond, when I made particular friends, there were some kind of different intentions of friendships, different things kind of came into play. And at that time, I still based it the way it was when I was young. I took things for granted. Oh, not at school. Even I was told, that person's a bit, watch that person, what are you talking about, sort of thing. Well, that person's fine. But then life experience, trial and error, then you realise, okay, he's not a good friend. And then older you get as well, meet other people, and you're like, okay, he's a good person, she's a good person, that's not, not. You know, you can sort of now, you can figure them out now before from distance. And how has that carried into now in the workforce? How you make friends? Do you continue to make friends in the workforce and meet them outside? Or is it something different from childhood friends? In 2003, I think it was, um, my wife and I decided to leave London, where we were living at the time, and go somewhere different and that somewhere different ended up being Inverness um, that's different yeah um, they do you know some of them allegedly do have webbed feet there but no for all the Inverness viewers I really enjoyed my time there um, and but it was actually it, it took a long long time um, to make friends there um, probably about seven years um, we were set, setting up uh, you know ourselves as uh, a new company and so forth and so most of the acquaintances you make are just acquaintances mm -hmm. um, and friends were difficult although oddly enough I met one of my childhood friends who'd also moved to the area wow. um, and we have continued to keep in touch there to this day so he actually classes as my uh, oldest friend um, the other perspective is that about four years ago um, I went on a uh, sort of a scholarship program um, over to the States for three months and there were I think 27 of us went over um, and that and a sizable proportion of those has, have become friends that I keep in contact with um, but it almost took that school-like environment <laughs> for it to happen once again um, and going back to a point that you made earlier as well I have the life lessons now to actually work out now nah, I'm never going to get on with you mm. let's not try mm. it's no skin off anybody's nose here we're adults yeah. um, just put you to one side because yeah. we're, we're different yeah. you know I, we have nothing at all in common mm. and we can be pleasant to each other but you know we're not going to keep in contact mm. and that kind of thing I've got a sim simpler look and a take in these things now if someone's good to me and um, the show respect I'm I'm even kinder to them and give them even more respect um, and that works for me and what that does is I can then create an environment of friends that are pleasant and that are kind and they just they're just decent people and polite decent people and I like that and I'd love and I like, I, I want my life to be surrounded with people of that nature. Have a laugh, have a banter, you know, take a mick at me, but 
in a way that you're not actually laughing at me but with me you know it's very very simple I've, I've kind of simplified it a lot that in that sense and yeah I mean I'm very kind of open with people and my household's pretty open with in that sense as well um, and I enjoy that I, 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 would, I like that experience because it keeps me happy and it keeps me in a good place as well being surrounded with people that are, are smiling that are joking that are pleasant that they just want to be in your company and just be nice kind people it's it's it's, it's a you know it's a healthy place for me and it's it's very simple for me to be honest that could end up into long-term relationships or maybe just the sheer fact that people's schedules and my schedules we don't see anyone but when we do it's still pleasant so not because we don't see everyone on a regular basis doesn't mean that we're not good friends just a simple fact that we have that commonality of, of sharing um, you know and just being polite with one another and being kind to one another is, is perfect I'm happy with that so on the topic of healthy boundaries yeah are there other healthy boundaries that each of you have developed along the way from your experiences with friends and in relationships? Um, I guess I think what is actually friendships one thing I think what that's helped me with in terms of relationships is with my relatives with my family because I've thought I've given quite a lot of time to friends and what about my own family they are my own family sometimes I probably take them for granted they're there and you meet them on a certain occasions and that's about it and I feel it's not nice as a brother or, or you know as an uncle or whatever and I'm still guilty of it I'm, I'm, I've, I've certainly I wouldn't say I've, I've figured that out um, I still take them for granted and think oh sorry that's family I can give them time another time you know because they're always there they're my family they're not going anywhere <laughs> and but you know that's made me kind of reflect no I have to take time out I have to build those bonds and just share happy times with them as well because once they're gone they're gone you know once they're uh, and it is a lot of times where you know like my niece you know I wish I'd spent more time with my niece as she's grown up and stuff like that but I feel as if at that time it was my kind of youth and I was very very selfish it was about me and me having a good time and me you know going out and building relationships having you know just having a good time basically and I think you know like my niece and my nephews even they kind of did suffer the fact that I never had that uncle niece nephew relationship and took them to cinemas more often you know and took them to the beach in this you know in the summer or whatever day outing or whatever uh, so I do regret that but the fact that I do regret that and I do recognize that I can do something about it now it's not I don't think it's ever too late I don't think it's ever too late even though that they're older now some of them are actually married and they've got their own kids but you know let's let's still do it because you know um it's never too late there is that something feeling myself as well do i give my family the dues they deserve 
mm. but then the back of my mind it's like, yeah, it's blood, it's family, it's alright, they're not going to go anywhere, they're, yeah. they're in the house anyway and all that. But it does sometimes I feel maybe more relaxed around friends yeah. than actually family. Mm. Just, you yeah. know, yeah. I feel that sometimes. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, because after we meet my friends, normally after a hard day's work, after a hard day's shift and everything, that's it. So you, everyone's kind of like, oh, it's relaxing, you know, chilling with family, it's like, I do feel sometimes, maybe I should spend more time with family, maybe, and like you are saying, this, I'm nephew niece, I've got nephew nieces as well, and I'm thinking, maybe I've not spent so much time, I've, I would like to with them as well, you know, but, like, but even, like Luke was saying as well, it's never too late to change, you can change it right now. I have been more open about myself and shared a lot more with my close friends than I have with my family. I'm the same, I'm the same. And, um, I don't know why that is, to be honest. It's just how I feel. Um, are you more genuine with your friends than you are with your family? Then? I wouldn't say I'm, I'm dishonest or not genuine with my family. I just don't share, which is different from pretending to them. I just don't share it. They, they don't know it. It's not an issue. It's a angle, but with my friends, I can sit down and I guess that's a great thing about having friends that way as well, but th there are people you could turn to and sit down and have these chats and, you know, um, but I've, I, I've, like my, my wife, her friends are her sisters, you know, she doesn't share, and I, again, when she's having like conversation, discuss, discussing issues, she lets it all out with her sis sisters, and I think, I've not got that. You know, it's pretty good, you know, but I've not got that. And trying to do that right now, you know, and sharing it with, you, with she does, it'd be very awkward. They'll be like, uh, bro, are you okay? You know, <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> Everyone, all right? It's just never happened. It's never been established. But, you know, they're happy with that. I'm happy with it. It's not that I've not got an avenue where I can kind of share. I have an avenue, and if it is friends, it's friends. But I know my family will be there for me if I, I, you know, if I had to pick up the phone and go, I need this, I know they're there. Likewise, they know it's the same. If you pick up the phone and say, I need this, then, then you know, I'm there for them sort of thing. You do sometimes feel more comfortable being open with somebody who's a bit more of a stranger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. There's, there's, there's probably things I would say to you, yeah. even though I've known you for two hours or so, yeah, yeah. Uh, than I would say to my mother, yeah, for example, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, which is, yeah. you know, on the face of it, ridiculous yeah, because, yeah. you know, my mother has seen me in all states of, you know, yeah, hideousness yeah, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. you know, a mewling babe onwards. Yeah. Uh, so, so I would assume that she wouldn't be shocked or appalled. Yeah. But, you know, there's just that, that, that the, the element of some, some distance there is also, yeah. you know, I think yeah. you've got that, that sense of perspective as a, as a man. Although saying that, you know, I'm, I'm also very, uh, open much more than I used to be yeah. um, when I am having discussions with my sister nowadays oh, who's okay. three years younger than me yeah. um, and that is a relationship which has I think over the years become a, a genuine friendship where we are very open and honest with each other in the way that you it sounds like you know your, yeah. your wife and her sisters are yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I would say is talking about friendships and sharing and stuff like that there's one thing I think, um, and this is how I think I ended up marrying the person that I've married, is because she became a really good friend, almost like a best friend. Uh, 
and almost like I could share everything with her. And likewise, she was open with me and she shared everything with me. And I will say till this day, we don't have secrets. And that's brilliant because finding someone that you can open up with and say the things that you want to say without any repercussion, without them going down your throat or, you know, we'll talk about it. Yeah, obviously in any marriage, <laughs> you do get a wee bit kind of confrontational and things are said and all that. But end of the day, that bond, she, she is my wife, but she's also my best friend. And for me, I'm quite fortunate. And I thank God for that, that and that, that is established. So with the rough, I will, you know, you take the rough with the smooth. Uh, because I know at the end of the day I've got that best friend in her which is which is great um, but I think going back to f like why I open out to my friends more than my family just when we were talking I was thinking about that and my daughter if she has some issues I'll listen to her then I'll be very critical. But why did you do that? But you shouldn't have been like that. <laughs> but you, rather than listening to her, whereas a friend wouldn't do that. A friend would sit and go, yeah, 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 mm -hmm, yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of having a friend. They don't criticise you the way family criticise you. But the family criticise you for, for, for to benefit you, to put, you know, to steer in the right way. Yeah, yeah. To consult you and, you know. Um, Whereas friends tend to be more diplomatic and more kind of, you know, on your side with that situation. Yeah, although I can think of some situations. So like, I'll make this one up here. If, you know, we were best buddies and we went out for a coffee and you just said, I've got no money in the bank and I've just bought a Jaguar. Yeah. Uh, I would say, yeah, you might need to rethink that one. Yeah. Or I might say, you're a bit of a jerk, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Sort it out, yeah. man, yeah. that yeah. kind of thing. But yeah. you know, it's a, yeah. I think there's, you know, a, a really good friend will also point out your errors oh, and all that kind of thing no, 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 as well, absolutely. as well as being, uh, to take your points as well, yeah. being supportive yeah. and more on your side because they want what's best for you. Yeah. Yeah. So how about negative barriers or boundaries that you've developed or been keenly aware of along the way when it comes to friendships and relationships and how have they served you? You need to know the opposite to deal with that you can be in the right place if you don't have neg negativity kind of thrown towards you you're never going to learn that you're never going to have that defensive uh, mechanism within you to know oh I don't like that or oh, I don't like the way he's talking or oh, I don't like his behavior or oh, I don't like his point of view um, and then eventually you kind of almost customize the place that you want to be and where you feel comfortable in um, so yeah it's not nice but the world is not always a nice place and we've got to recognize that but I think you can't really let it take take, take you over and take over y yourself when these negative kind of um, waves come from individuals, I think you just have to learn from it. It's the best way to just learn from it. Um, and if you've got good friends, then maybe just consult with them and that, that kind of communication to say, look, that's what he was saying, I'm not sure how to take it. And 
you know, if a good friend would kind of help you to steer you away and give him another chance, see what happens, and then, you know, it's just a process. Um, but yeah, get something, po even negative, get something positive out of it. How about siblings? What are your friendships like with your siblings? Well, there's quite a big age gap between all of us. So, maybe not as a friendship, it's more like, uh, I'd say my big sister, sometimes she'll treat me as a son as well, because such a big age gap. So as a friendship, it's not quite there. It's more of a motherly figure. So for me, I don't know anybody else, but um, because I'm much younger, I think my younger sister and my middle sister were better friends. I think we talk a lot more. Um, talk about not, she talk about kids to me, what they're going through at school and stuff like that. I'll give us my advice, what I think is the right, th appropriate thing to do, which is normally the wrong thing anyway. <laughs> but, um, but I think the elder ones is not, I think there's a bit of a difference communication-wise, but I feel my the younger sister is more good friends, I think. We're just more, yeah. The friendship with my sister, who's three years younger than me, uh, has has grown over the years. Um, as children, we didn't particularly see eye to eye. <laughs> There's probably some deep, you know, psychoanalytical reasons for that. Um, but I think just generally, you know, how kids can be sometimes. Um, but no, it's it's uh, it's a good, I would say, genuine uh, friendship now as uh, confidants um, with the shared history, the shared cu cultural, historical touch points, and that kind of thing. And I feel very um, privileged and, and, and proud to, to have that now. My brother's not that much older than me, just less than two years older, but growing up he's always had his group of friends, I've always had my group of friends. So to bond a relationship, a friendly relationship, we didn't need to I guess because it was compensated by having our old kind of group of friends. Um, sometimes they've been, you know, the same same people that we were friends with and we'll, we'll meet together. But um, I wouldn't say the way I have a relation, a friendship relationship with my wife, I don't have that with my brother. That friendship, I mean, uh, I don't have my brother. I don't even actually have, I've got two older sisters as well. I don't actually have with them. And as Usman was saying, my older sister's a, a lot older than myself. And she was always seen as a mother figure as well. Um, Another reason for that was because my mum coming from Pakistan, her English wasn't that great, so the communicator in her house uh, was always my sister, my older sister. She was the one who arranged appointments at the doctors or if it was things, issues at school, she would deal with it or because she was a communicator, you know, she could very easily, freely communicate and understand and, you know, relate that to 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 us and um so yeah i've i wouldn't say i've got like a, a f kind of friendship relationship with my siblings but i don't feel as if i'm missing out on that they're happy where they are i'm happy where i am it's very healthy um we're not completely isolated and don't have any kind of um connection and just because you know 
we're not we don't have that friendship kind of a relationship we've we've accepted who we are where we are and you know it's a happy place so how have you each chosen to have a role model in your life or how have you chosen role models in general to look up to and why have you chosen them for me i think it's um people have inspired other people for good so like Muhammad Ali, Bruce Lee, um, even like Michael Jackson. <laughs> but I think that was more entertainment, but also it was like a message of, you know, he was always kind of appearing to give that message of kindness and, you know, make the world a better place um, and all that kind of thing. And he was talented, he was, he was you know, phenomenal in many ways. His music was great. Uh, he was just like awe-inspiring. You'd see him and you think, wow, you know. Um, um, Muhammad Ali, oh, just the banter on him. We were Scottish, we love banter, but wow. You know, he was very witty. He was, and that was just mesmerizing in itself. But again, it was a message that he delivered to other people as well. You've got famous people, loads of money, they don't need to engage in other things with other people and whatever. They can just be selfish and make money and live their own lives and do but they went out their way to engage with other people and put ideas into other people about good messages, you know. Um and I think that was very inspiring for me as role models. Um but like you've got like um the Kardashians which are despised completely. I think there's no message that they're given and I think they're really you know bad for society in terms of the message that they're putting out there and they're the opposite of what I would see as role models so and, and so it would be those type of people that kind of really inspired me I think people that would do things for charity go out there they, they, they don't need to but they're doing it um, so yeah people in power that an influence that do something good with it. I think I'm very inspired by them. There's a, a quote that I'm struggling to remember, um, but it, it, it finishes something like, um, you are the message. And what's, it, it also reminds me of another thing I was taught, um, which is everything you do and the way you do everything sends a message. Mm. And so I think you have these big role models, your Muhammad Ali's and that mm. kind of thing, mm. but you also have very sm small scale, often ignored role models, the people who turn up um, and are the treasurer of the local football club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the people who will clear up litter off the streets when nobody's yeah. asked them, that kind of thing, are setting examples and, and are, you know, they're not embodied in one person. Yeah. There's, but there's lots of them around there. And again, it goes back to takes, takes a village and all that, that kind of yeah. thing as well. Yeah. Um, and the reason I thought of that is because I was struggling to think, for me, who has been a role model? How do I choose role models? Mm -hmm. um, and I started thinking off around the, the sort of the entertainment yeah. avenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and and that, that kind of thing. But I realized it's probably, it's more of a sort of a constellation of, of these smaller role models yes. that's, that's had more of an influence. Yes unacknowledged I won't thank them because I don't even recognize yes. them which is a pity um, but I would hope that something of what they've done 
in my turn, I'm aware now that I am the message, mm -hmm. that you know, and that, that, and I should be contributing in some ways to being a role model in my own right, yeah. even though other people, you know, I'm not going to be a role model like a UN ambassador yeah. for goodwill yeah. or anything like that, you know. But that's the beauty of the the spectrum of role models. Yeah. Just like you you shared. Yeah. I think comes back to that. It's um, values. It's people that give value to other people, uh, and benefit other people, uh, and people that are in need in whatever way that may be, that they're addressing those needs. Um, yeah, I, I totally relate with what you're saying. It's 100%, you know, it kinda, I feel that. Yeah. And, it, and it puts a burden of responsibility on you as well, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. You, know, you, you feel guilty. Yeah, yeah, you feel, how much am I doing, you know, and this person's doing it and what's stopping me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My kind of, I used to look up to was footballers, mm. Henrik Larsson, Celtic. Yeah. He used to have that hair and the, just the way he used to do it, it was just amazing. And Eric Cantona, because he had a swagger, um, growing up. But then, while I get older, I almost realised they're not going to have a much impact on me on a day-to-day -day basis either. So it, it was, then it was people that I mean, like we've just been saying as well, it's the small things they do, how they treat other people, how they want to be treated as well. I mean, I was always know if I, if, I, if I want to be treated with respect, treated well, how do I treat other people as well? Um, just looking at the way, like I was saying as well, people have seen the way they interact with each other. It's just all the subtle things they do, you know, you look out for. If, if I was to instill it in my own kids, it would be those values uh, that would benefit individuals, benefit society. Uh, for example, there was um, recently, again, part of our DJ kind of business, there is an event that's happening and they're raising funds for an organisation that's a food bank, so it's um, handing out food. And this organisation, we went to see them and I didn't, again, didn't know they existed. They contacted us purely because they would need us for our, our services as the sound system and so on. And when I went to see them, it was this tiny wee shop in this, um, you know, in, in this neighbourhood. And um, very basic. You go in and they're telling you stories about people are coming in and literally how they live day to day. And it put you in tears because you think people live like that. You know, like in this day and age, and Britain being the fifth richest country in the world, you know, all that carry on at you here, and you know, and the politics going on about, you know, how the policies are going to improve, you know, society and everything else. Nah, you know, and you see these people and they're improving society, and they're improving. They're like grassroots people that are uh, people that really need forget waiting for policy to happen. They're doing it, and they're doing it off their own back. I would certainly encourage my children to see that and see this is the direction that you should be going in in terms of looking at people and inspiring towards. Um, and you know, my older daughter, one of the things that we got her to do was volunteer in the Salvation Army. Why? Why didn't he do that? I didn't even get paid. I don't care. You're doing it. She wasn't into it, but we felt 
you know, the only way she's going to understand is if we put her in that situation. And yeah, she's she's probably going to argue with us. She's probably not going to hate us for doing it. But see, when she was in there, just within a day, she was like, right, I'm going back again. We knew that would happen because individuals, their hearts have to be exposed to these things. And I think once they're exposed to them, the reality hits. And it's just human nature. When you see other human beings that are in need in some ways or that have these, you know, very, very difficult circumstances that they're in that you can't help but to try to uh, put a helping hand out. Um, so, yeah, that's certainly something that I would uh, instill in, in my kids. I don't know about everyone else. Everyone's got their own point of view and I wouldn't even, you know, dare try to, <laughs> uh, you know, preach to others about what they should look at as role models. But certainly from my own perspective, that's what I would do. I would just tell people to find someone that you can resonate with, that meets your values, that you look at them, listen to them, you think, yeah that person speaking the truth and get to them. My advice would be to beware false idols. Yeah. <laughs> um, how you spot false idols is another kettle of fish that I can't really uh, <laughs> sort out at the moment. Um, but I think there's a, there's a, there's a need to recognise that role models exist at a, at a, at a, at a low level as well. Mm. But to take your original point as well, they also appear on the big level as well. You yeah, know, yeah. they give you the the aspiration that says, you know, I could I could become an astronaut, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I could I've got a pretty good voice here. Yeah. I could I could be a decent singer, yeah. or that kind of thing. So I think it's a it's a blend of those those yeah. two things. Yeah. And I think where it goes wrong is when you do get those those the the, the, the false idols in there as yeah. as well, which yeah. just lead you off down a purposeless path. Yeah. Your friendships. How do you solve problems? How do you deal with your conflict resolution skills? I realise from my own sort of, I had a car accident, I had my own kind of traumas, I realised and I let it, I didn't deal with it at the time, that deal with it now. So if I see a friend's visibly got an issue, I pull them up with strong and try to help as much as I can without being, you know, crossing boundaries, because I might put them off, but enough to maybe encourage them, hopefully they actually speak about it, you know. My wife advocates this all the time with me, but it's like if my friend, and she knows my friend's gone through some sort of difficulty, she'll go, have you spoken to him? And I went, no. Why not? What's wrong with you guys? Why can you not just talk to him? It's simple. I don't get you guys. And I think, well, she has got a point of it, is that you just reach out to him? But it's uh, that hurdle of getting over there and, and doing it. I mean, with my wife, I can, you know, have that conversation, no problem at all. Um, even though I know that I'll get a negative reaction, she'll bite my head off, but I'll still do it, cause like, it has to be done. It has to let it out there. But in terms of friends, um, you know, she, it's strange because she she will think it's a very simple thing. Uh, and for me, it's not a very simple thing, but she'll go, but if you say that you're a friend, how can you not just ask them? Why, well, I don't get used guys. And then it makes me think, yeah, I should be able to do that. Um, yeah, it is, it's just, you know, we're mature enough, we're old enough, we should be able to be feel comfortable and go and go, what, you know, what's, what's the problem, let's, let's talk about this. I think probably over the years, and I hadn't realised this until it's just, I started speaking, 
I probably it's, it's a kind of a three strikes and you're out <laughs> kind mm. of thing for bad behavior there's once or twice you can admit you know and you can put up with but actually if they just keep on doing it then sorry I get the message mm. so mm. if for example you know I spoke to you every day for a year and then just completely ignored you mm. and then came back after a week or something like that you know for no, no good reason or something like that if they just, just continued acting like that mm. then I think you could be justified after I say come on mm. <laughs> you know this mm. <laughs> stop mm. it mm. <laughs> yeah. for example yeah. um, but I suppose in the first couple of instances it's it's a case of well why is this happening you know yeah. or why, and trying to get to the bottom of it trying to understand because you know um, it's a very bad example I use there, but you know, in this case, I might have been ignoring that person because, you know, I had a family emergency mm. or something like that. You know, mm. and there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for it. You mm. know, or it could just be that I was a jerk. Mm. <laughs> I don't know, but you can kind of get to the bottom of it. Um, there's probably, but I, I, I'm also guessing there's probably going to be some things which are complete deal breakers mm. uh, with a friend as well. So, for example, if I had uh, a friend who had been, I don't know, stealing from his wife or something like that. Mm. That's a kind of a, sorry, yeah. that's you've just revealed something about yourself that yeah. I don't like. There, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. that's 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 off limits. Yeah. You know, that's it's not a, it's not a conflict I'm particularly wanting to to yeah. resolve, and yeah. or more in terms of armed warfare. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not literally. Some friends, if they keep. Um, repeating their behaviour in that particular way sometimes I'll look at it and go you know what that's just the way he's made Yes. so if somebody's very rude all the time uh, or very harsh all the time I can't say that that's a, they're deliberately doing that that's just their makeup and either accept either accept that that's just the, the, you know, the nature of them and then that way I can be content with it and move on uh, which I know there's some guys that are like that and that's why I'm saying that because it's very much that they're always right they're always right and everyone else is always wrong and all the rest but take that aside they're still in their hearts are good guys and yeah. you know their thing is so I would perhaps still keep you know a, a connection with them simply because I know you know they're not a bad they're not a rotten apple it's just the way they're made up they're a wee bit harsh in their thingy or their sense of humour is a wee bit oh come on you know you know, it's like it's not everyone's. It's the marmite. It's not everyone's. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So.